You're listening to the Town AM 1530 FM 102.3 WCTR and streaming online at WCTR.com. It's time for the Workforce Show. Here's your host, Cynthia Gern. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, this is Cindy Gern, your host of the Workforce Show. And we have a show that's going to brighten up your day a little bit, uh, especially because it's Memorial Weekend coming up and it's a little bit muggy and you may be in career doldrums. We have a guest, Dr. Ruth Kelty, a marine ecologist who's going to be discussing both current and future career opportunities for everybody, including uh, the military veterans who are in transition, which uh, is obviously a high priority for us in general. And in this area, uh, there are some great opportunities for, for folks who are transitioning. But before we uh, we have uh, our guest who recorded, we recorded her earlier, great uh, program, I'd like you to encourage any questions you have following the program to me at info at careercentralonline.com. Uh, with the subject heading, and we will try to answer those questions in next week's show, or at least post them on the website. Next week's program, we have two guests, a retired Marine colonel who has a lot of interesting articles on military veterans in transition, and a recruiter whom I've known for years, who recruits uh, for SAIC in technical and military areas. So, uh, before we waste any more time and take any of Ruth's time, we're going to break and have you uh, hear a little bit more about my great favorite uh, staffing firm, ADECO Government. ADECO Government has served the federal sector for over 50 years with Human Capital Solutions. Today, it supports over 80% of top federal agencies, making it a leader in federal contracting, providing temporary contract and direct placement of cleared and non-cleared personnel in IT, engineering, finance, administrative services, cybersecurity, and healthcare. For more information on how ADECO Government can help you find your next position, or if you're a business interested in ADECO Government's partnering program, visit adecogov.com. Hi, we're back and we're going to be listening to Dr. Ruth Kelty, a marine ecologist, talk about the wonderful world of marine and atmospheric science careers. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, as she said, my name is Ruth Kelty. I am from Bethesda, Maryland, and went to graduate school in New England, or went to undergrad in New England, and then graduate school at University of Maryland. I'm a marine ecologist, which means I study the relationship of um, the organisms that are out there in the oceans and coastal areas, and how they relate to their environment, including what's in the water and what's in the air. Um, I have a PhD from Maryland, like I said. My background is in coral reef ecology. And right now, I work for NOAA, which is the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, in a group called NCOS, National Centers for Coastal Ocean Science. We're in Oxford, Maryland, out here on the eastern shore. And I help connect the science that we do, which is a lot of looking at how the things we do on land affects the health in the bay, um, with the folks who are making decisions about how we're going to use our land and how to protect our waters. Um, so you were curious to hear about jobs and and. and and where the priorities are, where the I was, are. and also, um, as I understand it, you're coordinating an internship program for careers in the field between Washington College and NOAA. You can talk a little bit about the, those processes and those kinds of opportunities, too. That sounds good. So one of the points I want to make is when people think about the marine sciences or environmental sciences in general, most people are usually thinking about the physical sciences. And that is good. There are a lot of opportunities in biology, chemistry, and physics, and that's certainly an important part of what we do. But the field is much broader. We have 
the social sciences as well, which includes policy, sociology, and economics. So, for example, when we figure out what to do on the biological side, we need to figure out what's the best way to implement a law or a regulation, and what impact will that have regulation have on, for instance, the fishing communities. So that's where social science comes in, to look at public opinion, visual impact, how do we um, distribute resources or regulations so that it's fair and equitable, um, you know, what happens if you change the identity of people who are used to working with the water and take that relationship away from them. So there's a big opportunity in the social sciences. Um, another area that we actually have a lot of need for in NOAA is um, economics. Whenever we regulate fisheries or make decisions about that, we need to think about what's the economic impact of that and what's the economic benefit of that decision. Or we need to look at, for instance, you know, what's what are people willing to pay to use a resource like a hunting ground or to be able to go to the beach so that we can properly value those things when we think about them. So one of the points, like I said, is that there's a more broad array of jobs and fields that all relate to environmental sciences. So keep that in mind as, as you consider your careers. Um, with respect to the internship program, there are a lot of internship programs. Most of them are run by NOAA's Department of Education. Um, including the Hollings Marine Scholarship, in which NOAA supports you for, I think, a year and a half as you um, get partnered with a lab and develop a project while you're as an, as an undergrad and you work with that lab in the summertime. There's another program that targets minorities in science that's called the Educational Partnership Program, and that, again, supports you. That's actually mostly for graduates. It supports you through your graduate career and then tries to hook you up with a job with NOAA for when you graduate. Um, the program that I run is a little bit different in that I the purpose of it is to partner students who are trying to get real-life experience in the marine science and policy realm with um, employers or scientists who are great mentors who are willing to take on a student for the summer and work with them. The unique thing about what I do is that it's funded by the college. So the college finds the money to support the program, um, and the students are paid to – it's a paid internship to come work with us. Um, this year I have, I think, 30 – 33 opportunities. They range from atmospheric chemistry to looking at antibiotics from chicken farms and how that impacts things on the eastern shore to looking at sea turtle nesting sites in Florida. Um, you know, they're all over the place. It's a huge opportunity. Um, Washington College students will be able to compete for those positions, um, and they'll be funded by the school if they're selected. So let me make sure. So they, the positions are... Um, not created through the funding of Washington College. They exist through NOAA, but the college will pay the for the student if that student is selected. So that student in Washington College is competing with students from elsewhere? A, a little bit. So basically the way it works is that I, each year I, I handpick the people, the scientists, who I think are some of the best mentors and have some really good, interesting uh -huh. research projects going on that lend themselves to student summer internships. Uh -huh. And I'll ask them to put together a position description. Um, and then the colleges will run their own process f to select students. And so they'll vet the students and they'll select, say, let's say these are the three best students mm -hmm. in Washington College this year. And then there's a little matching process mm -hmm. to match the students. So there are always at least twice as many opportunities as there are funded students. Mm -hmm. um, so the challenge is not to get enough opportunities that are incredible for the students. It's the, the challenge is actually for me to find funding for enough students to participate and give every scientist a student. So oh, okay. I'm still working on that. Oh, okay, so you <laughs> have you have uh, more students than opportunities. No, other way around. Oh, other way I have around. more opportunities than students. Got it. I can okay. always take more students. You can always take more <laughs> students, but you still have to have funding for right, them. Right, the, f the funding that is the, the limiting that factor. Was that element. So uh, just to go back, the students, uh, the, the, I understand the, the broad range of, 
of uh, opportunities from hard science to the social sciences in the environmental field mm-hmm. as well. And you talked about a couple of the opportunities here in the Eastern Shore area. What are um, One question I have is, back to the students, what programs do these students generally come from academically, or how have they, how have they early on exhibited or demonstrated their interest in this field? Right, so I think you actually nailed it. The interest in the field and the enthusiasm about environmental science is a key thing. And so a lot of I was actually looking at what the scientists would like in the interns that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed that they're, they're not looking for you to come in understanding, you know, invertebrate zoology or physiology, or you don't have to know atmospheric chemistry cold. Oh, thank goodness. Um, there was one where they do want someone who knows fatty acid chemistry, so they may no, or may okay. not find a student. But um, okay. <laughs> what they're really looking for is they want enthusiastic people who want to learn. They want attention to detail, good communication skills, good writing skills. And then they want to have a solid um, foundation in using Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel so that you can help with data input and analysis. Um, You may or may not, a lot of them would would love if you had statistics, but that's not really other than basic statistics expected. Um, They say coursework in ecology and zoology helpful, Um, understanding how web pages work or how to build a web page or write for a web page is good. Um, GIS is handy if you have it. Um, you know, a lot of it is we're seeking someone who will ask good questions and will immerse themselves in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you should have in, an interest and in basic knowledge of biology, chemistry, and aquatic ecology. Um, you'd be excited to work in a lab, and then others are saying, you know, you need to be willing to get wet and sweaty and hot. You need to be willing to spend your days walking through the mud or on a boat. Um, so it, it's a big mix depending on the job, but they're not looking for you to come, you know, with like a graduate level education already. Mm-hmm. They're looking for your, your general background and your eagerness to get out there and, and either get dirty or clean, depending on whether you're in the field or the lab. <laughs> now, you're speaking from the perspective of NOAA and its opportunities, correct? It is, but some of the programs that we do with NOAA for the internships, NOAA has a lot of partners. And so, for instance, um, the National Estuarine Research Reserve System is in, I think, 28 <laughs> Spell states. Spell that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the acronym is NEARS, <laughs> but it's um, most states who have coastal estuarine areas mm. have a system of reserves. Um, in Maryland, we have a reserve, um, and I think the three locations, I'm only going to remember one, but they've got one in Jug Bay and a few other places. I didn't bring the write-up mm-hmm. with me, but um, that's a partnership between NOAA, Maryland Department of Natural Resources, and there's usually a university involved, too, mm-hmm. and so... Um, the entree is through NOAA and my affiliation, but it's it is broader than that. So, yeah. So so most of the the uh, creative uh, early opportunities, exposure to a broad range of of uh, training and and learning activities seem to originate from a government agency or a federally funded or an educational. Okay. N- not necessarily, actually. Oh, I think okay. one of the things we don't want to overlook at all. You're you're hearing the NOAA emphasis only because that's my background okay. and my experience for the last ten years. Um, University of Maryland has um, a laboratory in Horn Point and also the Chesapeake Biological Laboratory in Solomons, Maryland, and then there's the um, University of Maryland Eastern Shore as well as um, Salisbury. And so we've got a, a big university presence. A lot of those universities have scientists who are working, doing research on marine issues and marine science, and so there are opportunities to work with them. Um, supporting their research is a big deal. We also have a ton of local groups. The Chesapeake Bay has a long history of activism and research and science-based decision-making. And so I think um, every river, if not almost every river, um, in the Chesapeake Bay has a river keeper. So in Chestertown here, there's you know, the Chester River um, Keeper Association, and uh, Corsica River has a river keeper. Sassafras River has a river keeper. Um, so these are all local groups that 
um, you know, the Riverkeeper is a high is a, a paid position, and there might be internships or paid positions supporting them with monitoring. Though I know a lot mm-hmm. of that's done at the community level. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, private sector or nonprofit employers? Or I guess Chester, the Riverkeepers are nonprofit. But they are. Um, in terms of private sector, I don't know them as well, but there's several groups doing consulting in the area. Uh-huh, okay. um, there's a lot of restoration projects being done. Mm-hmm. And so understanding the science about what areas are appropriate for restoration, how to figure out what species of seagrass would be appropriate if you're mm-hmm. doing a restoration project. There's several consulting firms in the area who work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would be a great place to work where you can apply a generalized marine background um, to work with them. There are also a lot of people who are checking compliance, so regulatory mm-hmm. compliance, whether you're working for um, OSHA, which is the safety mm-hmm. part of the government. Um, that would be uh, an integrated into the work that you that, all do? That, that can be integrated. Oh, okay. So it, it, there's two things. One is if you're a large um, manufacturing or uh, other industry, mm-hmm. there are people doing inspections that work for a federal or state agency probably or a contractor. Mm-hmm. And then there's also people on staff if, if the the facility is mm-hmm. large enough to make sure that they're compliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and even things like, you know, understanding um, as people develop, you know, how to put in a sewer system or a septic system mm-hmm. and understanding what's the nutrient load that's going to go into the water. Mm-hmm. All of those things are tapping on people with backgrounds in, in environmental sciences. Environmental sciences. But in going back to your specialty in the marine sciences, uh, is there, uh, is it the umbrella science for subsciences or like oceanography uh, or is water in general <laughs> the big the big field? If you were to classify this, where where would you put marine sciences? Um, I, I, oceanography is definitely going to be more specific. Uh-huh. So uh, marine marine and environmental science is how we speak of it where I am. Um, okay. or marine and, and atmospheric sciences is what NOAA encompasses. And because of the connectivity between what happens in the atmosphere, what happens in the ocean, what happens on land, and what happens in the water. Um, we talk about things. I think the larger umbrella is more useful for the conversation. Okay, because I know in Alexandria, Virginia, there is the Water Federation Association that's you know that's focused on water, and I I was trying to differentiate between why the how what the difference would be between a water centered organization and a marine centered organization. Or well, I mean, technically, marine is salty. And so that's oh, so salty is right. A so, so right. So marine, marine is things okay. having to do with the oceans and coasts. Okay. And the other way we refer to ourselves is the coastal service. And uh, things. Okay. Um, so, but because I think a lot of the jobs that we do are actually land-based, because we're interested in thinking about how what we do on land affects what happens in the coastal areas. The runoffs areas. and the water. Right. Uh, so, cables, so, so the, the jobs are you know, more on land. In this area uh, where we're recording and airing is Eastern Shore, uh, goes to Annapolis, the Bay Area. What are some of the current and emerging critical issues that this area is going to be addressing that requires the knowledge, the scope of knowledge that your field brings to the decision-making? So two jump to mind. One is looking at alternative energy. Um, and I think the Eastern Shore is prime for alternative energy. Um, and, and we're certainly seeing some conversations about offshore wind farms and also onshore wind farms and solar installations. Um, we have the space out here, we have sun out here, and we have wind out here. So I could see a big conversation in the next few years about where to do that, what the impact is, and, and trying to make a good, you know, informed decision so that you're getting maximum benefit with minimum impact. Um, so you know, the energy sector, like you said, is going to be a big area for, for growth. Um, and then the other is as we continue to try to better understand 
um, and more thoughtfully address how our development on land affects water quality. Um, the Environmental Protection Agency has asked people to comply with what's called TMDLs, a total daily maximum load. So instead of giving a permit for you know six people on a water body independently, we're now going to look at how much pollution are we considering is appropriate for that water body as a group. And then we'll look at everybody asking for permission to use that water body and consider them in a group. And so as we start implementing this new way of managing, um, there's actually potential for real growth in jobs to figure out, you know, what are the impacts of the different uses of the area? Mm -hmm. How do we optimize that the most people can use the area in a way that's sustainable? Mm -hmm. uh, you're touching on a topic that we are going to be going to discuss in more depth in a later program, and that is the social and regulatory issues related to uh, the field's environment. Our, our initial foray into career discussions is going to be focusing on the environmental energy career fields. And along with that, there are so many conversations around, you know, job creation, uh, job management. Uh, I attended a uh, Ken County Chamber legislative breakfast uh, last week, and there was a big conversation about septic tanks and rural farmland and the Maryland uh, plan uh, to, for development. And these all converge. I mean, they all bring not just jobs, but they bring conflict as well. So within conflict, there's also an opportunity. So it's an opportunity for people who are both socially concerned as well as in, involved in other areas. Um, but I do have, a, going back to some a uh, couple of other questions for you before we wrap up, because there is so much to uh, to cover, and I hope you'll come back and we can Absolutely. talk about some more <laughs> of these issues in more detail. But uh, one question focuses on the range of career opportunities and career fields and career paths. We talked about uh, the internship program, mm -hmm. and you obviously have created a, a field a, for yourself. So I actually have two questions. One, about your own career trajectory. How, how, when you decided to get into this field and what your background was. And the other is for people who already have a career or they've entered a career or they're changing career, including military veterans. What, what transfers most? Have you seen people who have been able to move from one field into, uh, into an environmental energy field and, and successfully? And what do they bring uh, to that job? Okay, so two totally different questions. Right. I'll start with the first about me and my trajectory right, and okay. am I where I thought I was going to be. Um, so I started out as a, a hardcore PhD scientist, and the way I got there was I was very interested in environmental issues, and I am from the D.C. area, so as an undergrad, I had the opportunity to work on the Hill because I realized that you can have you know good science, but until it gets incorporated into decision-making, you're not really having the impact that you want. And in working on the Hill... I realized that even the best-intentioned senator or other policy official can't do the right thing if we don't know what the right thing is. And science doesn't tell you what the right thing is. That's a, a val value of policy decision. But science tells you, in the best case, you know, if I do X, what will happen? If I do Y, what will happen? And hopefully you can figure out which one of those you prefer. And so I ended up going into um, the marine sciences and got the degree in ecology that I mentioned because I was interested in being able to give decision makers the information they need to get the outcome that they want. Um, 
I started out, like I said, doing the straight science. I was always interested in the applied science and the environmental aspect of it. So I had an opportunity to work with Maryland Sea Grant and then National Sea Grant as a Sea Grant Fellow. And Sea Grant Fellows place recent graduate students in the sciences into policy and administrative positions with the government so that they're trying to bring more science into the decision-making process. Um, so I had that great opportunity, and that then led to a job with NOAA where I've been. Um, the other thing that's been happening is that I got married, and so I'm not just balancing my career, but I'm trying to balance my husband's career, who's a professor. And so there are not that many places employing social science professors. And so that's how we ended out on the eastern shore. It was a balance for the two of us. Um, I'm no longer working on coral reefs on the eastern shore. I'm taking the skills that I learned and applying them to Chesapeake Bay issues. So looking at land use nutrients, a lot of the things I did with corals are also relevant out here. So I'm enjoying having that conversation and learning more about the bay where I'm from. I'm from Maryland. So mm -hmm. it's, it's coming home in some ways. Um, so that's me in terms of my progression. I actually find myself very interested in that intersection between the environmental science and the physical science and the social science. And so I see myself actually trying to help people ask questions in a more integrated, holistic way that captures not just the environmental impacts, but the impacts on communities, you know, human communities, uh, of the things that we're thinking about doing. Um, By the way, I think that is such an incredibly critical role because it reminds me of, I don't know if you remember Kathy, the cartoon character yes, Kathy. Yes. You know, she's sitting in front of an expert who's asking her what is she's there for. She says, I don't know. That's why I've come to you. It's, it's <laughs> knowing what those questions are that you need to ask, which right. is the real challenge. And right. so what do people really care about? It's educating people as well, too. So go ahead. Um, and then so your other question had to do with um, how are ways that people – can get into the marine environmental sciences. So there's some coming out of school focused on that, and for others who aren't, what do they need to do? So uh, the one is a, a foundation in science, um, at least at the undergraduate level, is, is necessary for most of the jobs that I see out there. Um, one of the things that I recommend people do when they're trying to figure out the career path, and this is usually directed at undergrads who are about to graduate, is just when you're looking at jobs, make a list that has the characteristics that you like. So when you read a job, what resonates? Why did you like that job? Is it because it was field work? Is it because it was lab work? Is it because it was basic science or because it was applied? What is it that's resonating and making you think that would be a good job for you? And then for the jobs you like, also start making a list of what the qualifications are. Because if the jobs you like have to do with being in the field or being a tech and supporting a position, then you probably don't need to spend five years getting your PhD. Um, you probably need an undergraduate or a master's degree for those jobs. So be aware of what kind of qualifications you need for the jobs you're looking for. Um, so if you are trying to transition from another field, I think it's just keep thinking about how what you do applies to the marine science field. Um, if you're coming out of the military and you have great leadership experience, for example, put that front and center. Um, you, know, you can lead a team. You can do the logistics to get that field group. I, I'm generalizing about what you might have expertise <laughs> right. in coming out of the military. I mean, maybe, but right? you're certainly a team player, I would hope, or else the military probably wasn't a good fit for you. Um, so those We're are able all to follow directions. <laughs> right. I mean, those are all skills. Um, uh -huh. Well, independent thinking is also mm -hmm. very valued in the science community. But, I mean, th those are all skills that mm -hmm. transfer into most jobs. Um, and you've seen people who are well into their career transition into your field? Absolutely. In fact, no, no. I don't know if we're a leader per se. I don't know what the numbers are in hiring vets, but we certainly have a policy, um, as do all federal mm -hmm. agencies, where we're supporting hiring of vets. Um, and we have several um, recent veterans in our administrative ranks and also in our science ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the science jobs we have um, at the levels I'm looking at are looking for PhDs in the field, which you may or may not have mm -hmm. coming out of the military, but a lot of the other jobs are certainly, um, you know, possible. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we can generalize from mm -hmm. that and say, just think about the skills that you do have, and they may not be technical, but if you bring competence and, you know, a willingness to work in, in other good skills, um, a lot of those do transfer. Yeah. I, uh, I attend a, a Green Roundtable in D.C. It's a boarding school, sponsors it at the National Press Club, and the topics are all over. You know, they run the continuum, but what's also interesting to me is to, to see that there are people who are venture capitalists, to people who are marketing, product development, uh, all in the play field, people who are building construction green. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are very interesting. And, of course, today in development and land use, I think is one of the critical questions and areas that we have to address. What are, uh, I think we're really running out of time, but this has been great. Uh, but in the, uh, I guess in closing, the, the major employers, uh, a two-pronged question, the major employers in this area, beside NOAA, Goddard is, is a major employer too, is it not, of some of the... Uh, on Wallops Island? On Wallops Island? Uh, absolutely. That's actually, so the Wallops Island facility is a partnership between NASA and NOAA, mm -hmm. um, so because NOAA runs the satellite part for a lot of that. And so both of them are there, absolutely. Um, I was just looking for what jobs are open right now. Um, and so by way of example, um, Heal the Bay, which is a, a nonprofit, um, it's that they're looking for a watershed scientist to work in Malibu Creek out here. They're also looking for a um, stream team assistant, which is a good job for a college student. The Mid-Atlantic Fishery Council is hiring an assistant fishery plan coordinator. That's in Dover, Delaware. Um, someone to help de develop policy and position papers. Where does one, excuse me, where does one look for these jobs? Yeah, th so I've got a few different places. Um, the first one was at healthebay.org slash jobs. So health, the letter eBay. Um, and we can put links on the website. Uh, yes, but exactly. um, the fisheries council is mafcm.org. Um, another one is stock assessment scientist with the Atlantic States Marine Fishery Commission. Um, and then there's uh, stock assessment for uh, for some NOAA mm -hmm. groups. And then Maryland Sea Grant has three openings right now, one for an education and research coordinator, uh, a graduate research assistant, and a student aide. So they're looking for, to hire an undergrad student as well. And then physical scientists working on satellite calibration. Those were just, mm. I mean, a quick look oh, yeah. of jobs that are open right now, all within, Great. you know, 45 minutes of here. Um, the sites that I use are, um, for federal, usajobs.gov. usajobs.gov is, you know, the standard right, right. site mm -hmm. for that. Um, we also hire a lot of contractors. Mm -hmm. And so one that has a, a lot of environmental science stuff in the area is IMSG. It stands for IM Systems Group. So IMSG.com. I think we mentioned Maryland Sea Grant is a great resource, mm -hmm. um, mdsg.edu, right. I think. Um, and then, like, you know, the Bay Foundation, Listserv, the Riverkeeper websites, right. going to conferences. If you're a student or a recent graduate looking at your mm -hmm. alumni resources right. Right. Um, and your career center. Oh, great, Ruth. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to having you back on air with uh, some more detailed uh, programs focused on specific occupations. Folks, uh, that's it for today. Next week we have the recruiter from SAIC, military veteran and technology recruiting. And we have a uh, guest who writes a blog and has written several books, retired military marine. No, they're never retired, are they? Are they always marines? Um, and we'll be online to talk about careers and transitions. Don't remember, don't forget, report abuse, report child abuse, report animal abuse, and report environmental abuse. So you have a great, relaxing Memorial Weekend. Think of all the uh, 
all the sacrifices our men and women have made. And um, see you next week. Thanks. You're listening to The Town, AM 1530, FM 102.3, WCTR, Chestertown, Centerville. We're online at WCTR.com.